Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer in that I had never seen Doctor Who until I started the podcast. And of course I don't know why, because I loved Doctor Who. I've loved Doctor Who since I sat down, and I question every minute of my life that I have not spent watching this show since, because gosh, it's so good. And this week, I am talking about a really awesome episode that comes on the heels of the rebirth of the Doctor into this 11th Doctor. Uh, and because we're talking about rebirths, I have to bring in an expert, somebody that has been with me since the beginning, has held my hand and said, I will guide you through this. In essence, he is my doctor, and that is Eric Sweetman. Hi, everybody. Now, you're questioning your life before ever watching The Doctor, and I question your decisions by not having me on last last week. Last yeah. week, uh, yes. Past, that. The, past the tradition of me being there for the first episode of every se- series that this has done, we can move past that. It's fine. It's fine. There was a very good reason, and that is don't cry, don't cry. But you know, you you wore a coat that was very similar before I even knew about Doctor Who to my house as we used to record the My Favorite Movie podcast. You wore a David Tennant coat. And uh, we switched to Matt Smith, and Matt Smith happened to be Jamie's favorite doctor. So I acquiesced to another expert, but I do have the saving grace in that you were on the very second episode of this very podcast. So we're still in time. We're still in time. Yeah, I'll let you think about that for a moment. Yeah, just just you know, mm-hmm. keep that, make that your little comfort space for a little while, your safe space. Mm-hmm. But remember, I was not there to see David Tennant go away with you. Yeah, I didn't get to have the closure with you at this time. Oh my goodness! So it I was... didn't, I didn't get to end the season of the series, and I didn't get to start this series. I claim the 50th anniversary special. That is mine. <laughs> I will be here for that. When we get to that, that's mine. <laughs> I think, so you know. yeah, okay. I, I, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, dear listener, <laughs> I, I, in case uh, you haven't uh, caught up yet, uh, when I started the podcast, Eric was the first one on. Eric actually appeared on the first two episodes and several episodes uh, that later that series. Uh, and uh, that's what we're talking about here. But today, Specifically, we are talking about The Beast Below, which is episode two from series five. So we are into a new doctor. And so if you have not seen this episode, now is the time to pause the podcast, go watch the episode because it's a good one, and then come back. We'll be right here waiting for you. It's available on HBO Max. It's easy to get a hold of. So yeah, we'll be here. Okay, welcome back. You can stream it on Netflix if you're in the UK, (laughs) apparently. Uh, So now that we're back, um, I want to start with the fact that this episode did feel very reminiscent to uh, that actually the second episode you and I ever covered on the podcast, which led the doctor to take Rose to that space station. um, And, the you know, it, it... 
because of clearly limitation, budgetary limitations, that that episode felt very claustrophobic. It always felt like we were sort of inside something that was small and finite. And while, you know, this is supposed to be a large spaceship that represents the entirety of the UK, the entire episode felt, again, very small and claustrophobic. Uh, so there was a similarity to it that I kind of clinged to, but it also made the contrast significantly different because he is not Eccleson or he is not Tennant. He is Smith and he is different. And uh, I really f- I felt the absence of ninth and 10th and um, I'm still getting used to 11th. What are your thoughts on 11th? Well, I, I like him. I think he's uh, very entertaining. He's got this uh, almost childlike energy to him. But I will say it was very difficult to get comfortable with him because he comes in um, following an extraordinary actor and uh, just a beloved character. So to see, to see him... It's like I was thrilled that the doctor was continuing. It wasn't a, okay, the show's over. It was um, it was evolving the way it always tends to evolve. But it is um, it is it is different because here's these the scripts are written by people who knew the voice of the doctor who now has gone. So they, the tone of it, the cadence of it, a lot of it seems like it was more suited for David Tennant's mouth than for Matt Smith's. And that will continue like, a, you know, I, I might have mentioned before, it'll continue for a few episodes and then you'll get comfortable with it. You know, it took a little bit like, you know, really towards the end of that first Christmas special when Tennant appeared um, to start not being upset that it wasn't um, Christopher Eccleston. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is just something that goes on. I'm sure that when um, uh, when Hartnell transformed into um, uh, Patrick Crofton, that was a big deal for everybody at that time, too. And it's like, oh, this person, the role is the same, but everything about the role is completely different. And we just have to get used to that. Yeah, I you know, I, I mentioned how amazing the show is at utilizing uh, science fiction as a means of sort of reflecting back at us the things that um, sort of the, the, the biggest flaws of our society, the biggest flaws of our time, uh, and, and doing it in a way that doesn't feel evil or mean or, uh, you know... Uh, it, it it just it just is. It's a way of saying something deep and meaningful without it being uh, impactful. Uh, or I don't. It's 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 difficult to verbalize. You know, it's just it it gets through to the the core of a situation easier than anything else. And one and I may have even mentioned this in the podcast. What an incredible concept to allow a story to continue and yet change and evolve by having a character that can literally maintain all of its previous knowledge, maintain everything that has happened 
So it's not, you know, done away with, it's not dispelled, it's not destroyed, it's not everything that happened still happened, but now everything about that character changes. And I'm not used to that. I and I guess into the, you know, this is the the second uh regeneration. I'm not used to a character that I love and I form a bond with changing so drastically in such a short time. If the transformation was prolonged, I could maybe get away, you know, with uh but I'm I'm still jarred. Uh, is that do you feel the same way? Not really. I mean, again, it's a little bit of a, um, you have to take a moment to shift into it, you know, to be able to accept the new person playing the role. But it does answer a question that has been brought up for a lot of things, you know, a lot of ongoing series. Do they recast or do they reboot? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to look at uh, the other pop culture stuff of today we've got say um you know there's all the marvel characters and those guys they have been consistent since the beginning um and then there's spider-man and they're trying to acknowledge that they had all these other people being spider-man in different universes so that's a way of approaching it instead of the usual well that was not in our continuity so we're going to ignore it Mm -hmm. um when you deal with something like Batman, how many different people have played Batman over these years? And with seeing uh, Ben Affleck versus Michael Keaton versus um, uh, Christian Bale versus George Clooney versus versus, Val Kilmer, what's his face? uh, uh, The sparkling one that's coming up soon. Um, You know, you've got all these different Cedric Diggory. hmm? Cedric Diggory. Yeah. 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 That, that's just, the the idea that all these different people have performed the same character and yet none of these are supposed to know about each other. They're not, you know, they started like how many times are we going to see Bruce Wayne's parents get shot because it's going to be a different set of actors yeah. every single time. You know, so it's they, this, that's the reboot problem where there's nothing that has happened in the Batman from 1989. None of that has affected Justice League Batman Affleck mm-hmm. at all. And now we're going to see what happens on the new movie. <laughs> this Flash movie eventually shows up. Um, and that's fine. But I kind of like the fact that with the Doctor, it is one timeline as much as it jumps back and forth throughout time, it's still following this one man's existence from the beginning all the way through all the different faces that he may wear. Yeah. One one being's existence, because uh, in this episode, very uh, quickly, uh, you know, we are restating that he is not human, that he is a time Lord. Uh, There's a really clever exchange where, uh, he says, you know, no, you look like a time Lord. We've been around before you. Yeah. You were here first. You know, the, cause yeah. that's a very human thing to like, wow, you look human. No, no, <laughs> you well, look we're time very, Lord. We're very human centric. You mm-hmm. know, that's why in all of our star Trek series, uh, star Wars, there's so many humanoid right. aliens. Yeah. Because this is what we relate to when it comes to the appearance of the truly alien 
that brings us fear that brings us confusion you know they have to be really cute and harmless looking for us to be comfortable with that and let's face it matt smith is very cute and harmless looking (laughs) yeah i do like the fact that doctor who though so far has represented aliens in a much uh to to your point in a much truer sense uh you know Mm -hmm. Aliens in other sci-fi uh, endeavors do tend to be very humanoid in nature. You know, we've we've had aliens that are just nothing but a brain inside a, a super awesome armor in the shape of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only, and they're not really aliens, but they kind of sort of aliens. The the Cybermen are you know humanoid, but everything else absorbs a humanoid shape at some point. But their true form is something completely foreign and alien to us. You know, uh, I'd like to point out that one of the more alien characters was an episode that we discussed together uh, when it when you first watched it, and that was um, Cassandra mm-hmm. being not alien, but as unusual as she can be. She was yeah. a single sheet of skin. With eyes and lips and a sassy attitude, you know, um, and a brain and a jar underneath, <laughs> you know, uh, just but yeah, it, like the idea that we can represent uh, and that these aliens are represented. Uh, I mean, just from the ninth Doctor, you have a thing like a, a vat of melted plastic that seems to mm-hmm. control other plastics uh, to what you know, was misinterpreted as ghosts and turns out that they are, you know, in fact, aliens from another planet. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that most interests me about this show is that it always shows you something that looks familiar and then explains it in a way that is completely unfamiliar and new. Uh, and uh, jumping into this episode, you know, the, the, the whole concept, like I said, we, we've been in tight spaces before. We've been in other spaceships with the Doctor before. Uh, you know, the, 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 the spaceship where all of the rooms were tied to uh, France. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever that spaceship was called. I think it was like Louis the Sixteenth. I'm forgetting. Oh right, that. right. The uh, the girl uh, the in guy, the fireplace. Yeah, the the girl in the fireplace. You know, we we've been in spaceships before with the Doctor, uh, and always, of course, in some sort of peril. But this this felt different. You know, this felt unique, uh, and. A lot of it, you know, was the the humor, the humor that comes through. Uh, and maybe it's Moffat's writing, or maybe it's a mixture of Moffat and Smith. But I I laughed more at this episode than I did certainly in the last entire series, uh, series four. As good as series four was, there was not a lot of laughter. Um, there was a lot of amazing moments. But I, I feel like, you know, this is revisiting the fun part of Doctor Who. Am, right. I, am I off? We, we will, you know, they, they cannot have the happiness without a little bit of sacrifice. And so we have been depressed. We have seen the, uh, uh, the tragedies that, uh, that 
intense doctor went through, you know, the loss of his love, the, uh, uh, going to the Mars and dealing with the water on Mars and all that stuff. You know, these are some serious things to affect him. And with the regeneration, he is able to, um, be free of some of those responsibilities, you know, some of those burdens that he had carried all throughout that particular uh, incarnation. Mm -hmm. So um, him as, as Matt Smith here, um, it is a character who is a little lighter, a little bit more fun and a little bit more uh, playful and um, concerned about the well-being of the children. You know, Mm -hmm. this is a uh, doctor who, um, in spite of saying that he won't interfere, will absolutely interfere when it's to protect a kid, when it's to uh, to deal with a child crying, and yeah, to to uh, to stop the assault on innocence, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I loved the earnestness with which Matt seems to be playing him. In that he is still, uh, and I don't know, I, I, I genuinely don't know, so you are probably absolutely right, but it feels like instead of writing in the, in the words or in the cadence of the previous actor, they're writing in the cadence of what the doctor had and allowing the transition, as it were, that I feel we don't get physically to happen within the character of I physically, drastically, quickly change, but the mannerisms and the person I am, because uh, I remember when, uh, when the doctor changed from ninth to 10th, he said, I, I don't know what kind of person I am. I don't know if right. I'm the funny one or if I'm the... So I, I wonder how much of that is conscience uh, or conscientiously written into the script as the doctor finds himself through the first set of adventures that he has. Um, but we do see a little bit of that, that the fiery of 10 uh, in the mm-hmm. end, uh, at the end of this episode, when the, the, the reveal comes um, that this entire endeavor, this entire ship is literally happening because it's riding on the back of a space whale that is... Which has been enslaved, imprisoned, and tortured to uh, go where these people want to go. For hundreds of years. This creature. Something Uh, England has done before. Well, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, (laughs) But there is a moment where you see that fieriness come out of him, and he tells everybody... Today is not the day humans are going to talk to me or tell me what to do. Right. Which, you know, that that's uh, that's definitely back from the the moments where the doctor uh, kind of usurped his, you know, the, the, the moment where he said, I am a time lord and time will obey me. Uh, you know, this definitely felt similar to that. Yeah. I mean, the doctor is capable of vast rage. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he doesn't wipe out all of uh, humanity because of his great disappointment in them says a lot for his character. But I think that um, 
you know, again, if, if you haven't seen the episode, please stop, stop listening <laughs> to us and go and watch it. Um, if you have, then you know that his reaction, you know, he was ready to get rid of Amy Pond. Like, okay, you have disappointed. Even if you don't remember what it is that you did, you still did it. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem. I cannot trust you. I cannot put my faith in you as a person that I bring with me if this is the decision you've made. Um, and so, you know, if, if, if she chose to leave to forget all of the bad things that have happened in order to maintain the human life on that ship at the sacrifice of the freedom of this great uh, space whale, then uh, it's like, that isn't the decision that, you, you know, I, you should make this. You don't get to make my decision. You don't get, this is, you know, you're trying to save me from having to make these things. You don't get to tell me what to do. And, um, I think the, the power in that moment and the only thing that saved her from being returned to, uh, to her own doorstep is that she came up with a solution a realized motivation behind the space whale itself because those creepy tendrils the tentacle things mm-hmm. that would come out that look like uh scorpion um, tails scorpion uh stingers you know those are terrifying but that's brings in this the uh bias that we have against scorpions and stuff you know those those insects are scary they are um, aggressive and vicious and they're dangerous to us so if we see something that looks like that we automatically will assume that it is the same thing as a scorpion and it must be you have to stay away from it because it's too dangerous um instead it's like oh he's reaching out to the children he's you know he's trying to make contact with them and showing affection and and uh, uh love and by her seeing that taking it all in seeing what was there the way the doctor has in the last couple of episodes um you know she saw something he didn't see that gives him a solution where nobody has to die nobody needs to to be uh, to be lost here and that's the important part well, and I I love the idea that it was at his prompting. You know, the the episode starts out very frantically with the doctor sort of jumping in and out of the TARDIS and beckoning uh, Amy out of the TARDIS, and you know it it throws out in in rapid succession. You know, think 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 what's out of the ordinary. Look 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 beyond what's there, and there's a payoff to it. Mm -hmm. You know, she saw something that he didn't. She saw and realized something that he didn't. Um, But back to you, you brought up the the point, uh, which is a very interesting uh, conundrum, especially in the world we live in today, which seems to be a theme with the doctor. You know, I'm watching it out of order. This episode would have been uh, aired sometime in 2011. Am I mistaken? 2011? Uh, I have no idea offhand. You you don't get to send me <laughs> these uh, trivia things without having any web dance warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
we, you know, we're, we're, we're living through this tumultuous time in which everything is uh, questioned and everyone has their own truth. And what this episode represents is an idea that there's an entire culture uh, that had to escape the uh, horrific nature of uh, our, you know, our own fault of uh, turning the planet against us and and destroying the ozone layer and destroying uh, the environment. And their means of escape was riding on the back of this space whale. Um, but then to constantly erase people's uh, memory of it uh, for the sake of their own society. And that's a very interesting choice to present somebody with because they said, we're going to show you this video. And if even 1% of the people in this ship choose to not forget this video, then the whole thing's going to get destroyed. And even before you're presented with whatever the truth is, that's a heavy burden for anybody. And, uh, you know, in, in a little bit of defense of Amy, that's a huge decision to make because mm -hmm. you are putting your own biases and whatever decision you choose to cling on to is going to affect an entire society. In this case, an entire, you know, uh, country. And that, yeah. that, you know, that weighs heavily. And so I'm sorry, but faced with that same decision, regardless of what the truth is, I would probably push the forget button too, because you don't want to be the one, right? You don't want to be the reason that society fails and that an entire species gets wiped out. Uh, True, and, and the doctor sure. claims that that's his decision to make, but he doesn't want to make that decision either. And whenever right. given an opportunity, he tries to find every possible way to not have to make the decision and, you know, subvert the, the options by creating his, you know, third or fourth option instead. Well, there was one option that they didn't suggest. You know, there's one thing that they left out and it's like, why can't they find a spot to stop? <laughs> Why couldn't they locate a planet? It's like, okay, they're on the back of a giant whale. The entire country of England is just shooting through space. Why were they so reluctant to find a location that they could settle into um, and then release the whale? That seems to be the other option. Now, in this case, you know, they could have discovered that um, by settling into a spot, um, then releasing the whale, the whale might not have gone anywhere because he was still concerned over the people, over the children. Well, um, if, if the we memory know. is wiped, then the whale is something you don't remember. And anytime right. you are told about the whale, the only way you are allowed to continue is to say, I forget the whale. So the, right. well, they, they put themselves the in a catch 22. The whale or you want to free the whale, they get sent to be the whale, whale chow. Mm -hmm. um, so that, but I, the fact that the doctor didn't think of the alternative of offloading 
England onto some other planet. You know, it was just like, okay, we released the whale right now and we face the consequences of this whole thing just drifting off and breaking up in this outer space and everybody dying. You know, that's, that is a huge thing, but we're never quite at the either or option. There's always an and. An and. Well, one of the things that I, I, like you mentioned, you know, Amy ultimately finds that third choice that the doctor Mm -hmm. didn't see. And she finds it because she does something that the doctor, at least in pre in the the two previous um, regenerations that I've witnessed, uh, has frequently done, which is sh- he forgot to assign uh, intelligence to this whale. Mm-hmm. He just presumed, you know, he he mentioned, you know, I, I will just turn it into a vegetable so that way you don't have to torture it. It'll just keep going without really suffering uh, from the pain as opposed to actually thinking what what was its motivation and does it have feelings? Does it have a say in all of this? Uh, and it's only Amy that stops and goes, oh, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. This thing is here for a reason, and its reason is not, you know, sinister or it it, it, it does not, you it know, volunteered. <laughs> right, it, it it volunteered, and through misunderstanding, humanity ends up, or not humanity, but in this case, the UK ends up enslaving and torturing this beast that it didn't need to torture, and regardless of the torture, the beast continued to show its kindness. Which I think the ultimate message, of course, to this episode is that even when humans were horrific to this thing, this thing continued to show kindness. You see it as it's playful with the child. Uh, you hear it as it as that you know person that was, I guess, pseudo in charge describes how it does not consume the children. It does not eat the children. It spits them back out. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is the thing is kind. The thing is fully aware. It's just a misunderstanding of it versus uh, humanity. And uh, imagine the patience this creature has, you mm-hmm. know, to be able to put up with all this, to be able to um, to survive despite all this this pain, and you know, like how how incredible that they could come up with a character that they would write this, uh, this creature as something that doesn't just, Oh, you release me now. I will destroy you all in revenge mm-hmm. because our human reaction, you know, you hurt me and I want to hurt you back. That's the way humans tend to be. It takes a very patient and deeply loving person to not want to strike somebody who struck them. And, you know, Amy says that about the doctor. She attributes all of those things because here's this incredibly old being who is the last of their kind mm-hmm. and shows an immense amount of kindness. And yes, it's a way for Amy to connect to the doctor. But at least for me, having just gone through seeing the doctor uh, basically send back his own race to the time war because they are so 
arrogant and full of themselves that, you know, this race of beings that up until that episode, I had just assumed were these benevolent, you know, uh, gods. (laughs) But the, you know, the Time Lords uh, being these horrific races that, uh, you know, through their own uh, sheer you know they're the madness that incurs from you know a, a war that presumably went on for millennia since they're sort of time traveling um that they they became so drunk with power that they were so ready to just completely usurp another planet and and take over again uh so when she says you know age has made him kind and age has given him this infinite level of patience, I kind of see that and I appreciate it uh, because he could have gone a completely different way and he needs that companion. And we've said this time and time again to ground him into a place where he can be that kind. He needs to be given the option or the, the opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's still the, uh, um, the side, the storytelling side of it, you know, it's, we need a character that can help us reach the doctor that as a viewer, mm-hmm. we, uh, we're given the companions as a bridge because we can't be in the doctor's presence. We wouldn't understand him as well without the benefit of Rose or Donna or Amy. Or Martha. Martha. Um, I was going to say, yeah, let's not forget not Martha. Gonna forget, I love her. I'm not going to forget Martha. But just saying like these, these people, by their experience, the, the fact that they can be closer to the doctor than we can, because there are uh, adventures that they come in from as this, this episode begins. Yeah, you can see them. Oh, wasn't that a wonderful thing that had nothing to do with the previous episode that we mm-hmm. saw? But they did something and they were laughing about it. And then the next adventure starts immediately. It's like, what was that? Mm-hmm. What was this hint of something that we are not part of? You know, how much of that one episode where um, they had to deal with the, uh, the, the creature, but you only saw the, uh, the doctor and, um, and Rose like briefly during the entire episode, they just weren't around. Yeah, because they had other things that they had to do, and we did not go with them. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's just a crazy approach to storytelling that uh, implies the richer history that is not something we see. And they tap into it with the radio programs that they put out, the audio dramas of all these characters, and the books that are, are done for each doctor and each companion. There's a lot of stuff that you can just dive into. It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I've mentioned it before, and I'll say it again. I love this conceit because it opens up an entire universe of possibility, and none of it has to contradict itself. So long right. as it yes ands what happened before, it it can all coexist. It can all happen, and it's. Uh, like we said at the beginning of this episode when we were talking about the the change from one doctor to the other it can bring on drastic changes and yet still remain familiar which at the end of the day that's what this episode felt 
there's drastic changes. There's a new companion. There's a new doctor. And yet it still felt very familiar. And it still felt like it, 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 it retained the heart of what I really like about the show, which is the ability to sort of say, hey, here's, you know, here again, here's a mirror against society. Here's an opportunity to show you what happens when we are given the choice to know the truth and be deeply hurt by it or simply ignore it and go on about your day. You know, it just wonderful, wonderful storytelling uh, that has, you know, some serious ramifications. If you stop to think about it, you know, the, the, the subject matter of this episode is, uh, is infinitely deep. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, for a show that has as much lightness as uh, we discussed that this new doctor brings to the role, uh, there is still a lot underneath. And I really love the show for doing that. And I appreciate it. And if this is what uh, Muffet and uh, Smith are going to bring, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in for it. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I think it's interesting with the one thing that we hadn't discussed was the little, uh, arcade boxes that are all over the place. You know, the thing that is watching the Zoltar. (laughs) Yeah. These, these robots that, uh, with three faces and you only see one at a time, but you know, the regular faces, creepy smiley thing that you just, you know, it's a little unsettling. The second one is very judgmental, very frowny, just not uh, not pleasant. But that third one, that enraged face, no wonder people wanted to forget because they didn't want to see that face coming after them. You know, the blood red eyes, the uh, really extended down is bearing of the teeth, mm-hmm. just horrifying thing. And then the fact that it can walk out of that box. Oh, my God, <laughs> this isn't good. Well, and, it, so. and it looks very Voldemorty, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's got that like not not good. And like he, the doctor said, you can look at these boxes; they're all over the place, and none of them have fingerprints on them, have footprints anywhere near them. People don't go to them; they're mm-hmm. everywhere, but nobody goes to them because they're terrified of them. And that's how this government kept everything in control by terrifying the people of the possibilities. Nobody broke rules because the consequences were horrifying. You know, you well, could and, end up in the belly <laughs> of the beast. And and again, you know, the the truth was even more horrifying because it had to it made you question your own morality. Uh, yeah. whether you're a good or a bad person, the idea that you are benefiting off of the back of another being, you know, quite literally in this case. Um, yeah. And that's how America has grown into the powerhouse that it is by the, um, you know, the enslavement of people and the exploitation of the resources and the fact that there's this tacit agreement to not talk about it, to not right. think about it, which is now being shaken up today. So an episode of this series that was 10 years old is able to affect us you know, to bring in stuff that is today, it is such a current, such a prescient episode. It, it resonates. Uh, I mean, I could see how this episode played in 2011. Uh, mm-hmm. And today, seeing what's happened in the world, it resonates in a completely different way. And you know what? 
I'm I'm so in. It, like I said, if this is what <laughs> Moffat has in store for me, I am totally in. So uh, we don't have, sadly, uh, TARDIS tidbits for this week, but... Uh, what? I know. Uh, <laughs> How dare? How, what, what, what this, my whole world is ending. This your is whole world. It, this this is just like our second oh episode. <laughs> we didn't have TARDIS tidbits. We just uh, made it up as we went along. But did, did I miss anything? Was there anything that uh, was a... Spoilers. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's yes, go for it. Is. What 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 should I have paid more attention to? What um, was the very last thing that you saw on screen in this episode? The sign that said next time on Doctor Who? <laughs> Slightly before that. Um the uh, was it the 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 whale again? The crack. Oh, the crack. The crack, <laughs> looking the... exactly like the crack from Amy's room. Oh. Oh. Wow. I did not put two and two together. Keep that in mind. Okay. We'll, we'll remember the crack in the, the, the shell or the thing. And yeah, it was glowing. Okay. Beyond that, you're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond that, we are in spoilers territory. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, I am. uh, I'm so sorry. I hurt your feelings. I assure you, it was not intentional, uh, but purely meant to uh, get the the most excited people about the most excited episodes uh, on the podcast so that we can maintain the excitement altogether of discovering every week how amazing this show is and how pertinent it still is even uh, 10 years after it's airing. So thank you so yeah. much for joining me uh, uh, once again. Yeah, you are very welcome. Um... Yeah, you know, all you had to do was let me know in advance <laughs> that I wasn't going to be involved in the episode. Well, uh, we will make sure that you are deeply involved in this season uh, and in all seasons moving forward. So thanks so much for joining mm-hmm. us, Eric. You bet. Talk to you next time. <laughs> and thank you, dear listener, for joining me for this new adventure with a new doctor and moving into new territories. Uh, As always, you can leave a comment on this or every episode of the podcast by visiting my favorite movie podcast. Nope, that's my (laughs) other podcast, Uh, although you can can visit that website, Uh, but you can visit firsttimelord.com. There you can comment on this and every other episode. Uh, If you want to support the show, we have a little merch shop with some cool t-shirts, especially, you know, coming up for the holidays. Those holiday t-shirts, I think, look pretty awesome, uh, but that's a way to support the show. But if you're not into merch, but want to still financially contribute to this production, you can visit us on Patreon or click on the link on the website. But I'm Daniel Levane on Patreon, and you can support the show that way, or the most important way that you can support this and any show that you like, and that's by sharing it. If you like Doctor Who, if you enjoy it as much as well, all of us here do, uh, share it with somebody that would get just as much joy, whether it's a, a seasoned fan that has been watching the show for years and can use an excuse to rewatch the episodes, or 
somebody brand new like myself who has somehow omitted this amazing show in their life, let's correct those errors and let's grow this fandom and this community together. But with all of that said, I have run out of time. I must get back into my newly redesigned TARDIS and get ready for next week's episode. So until next week, everybody. Geronimo! Bow ties are cool.